John chapter 7, verses 37 to 39. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up till that time, the Spirit had not yet been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning and a warm welcome to you. Today it's my pleasure to focus on refreshment. How to receive the refreshment that God has for each of us. And I think this is a brilliant time to be talking about this topic. Actually, any time would be a very good time because life itself is exhausting. We, we often see this, probably clearly, in other people's lives rather than our own. But you see a couple who've been awake all night with their children, getting up unbelievably early for a period of time, spending a life yawning and looking around, and you think, my word, I'm so sorry for you, you need refreshment. But it's not just them, is it? Well, I'm not gonna catalog all the cases because in truth, over this last year, I think all of us have been in kind of special measures and it's draining. So wouldn't it be good if there was someone we could go to and somewhere we could go and know reliably that we'd receive refreshment? And of course there is. And that's what I want to be talking about today. Just as a preliminary though, it, it, it is possible not to realize quite how exhausted and spiritually exhausted you've become. As I think I might have mentioned before, I am really bad at maintenance. So when it comes to looking after our car, there can be long gaps between the times where I might check the tire pressure. I've been known to leave them for months and months and months. And of course, the thing is that you don't notice when the tires are going flat because it happens so incrementally so slowly little by little by little but eventually it, it it really is taking it out of the car and you're not getting the ride you should be and i wonder if spiritually that that happens to us the air leaks out of our tires and uh, we're getting more exhausted than we ever need to have done because we haven't really asked god to refresh us well today is the day to put that right and I'm going to be talking about the refreshment that God offers. And our text today is John 7:37. Most likely it's going to come on the screen any minute, but you might like to look it up in your Bible as well, because I'd love you to be able to return to it later. And I'll read it. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And then John adds, by this he meant the Spirit with a capital S, Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Now, within this verse is a promise of refreshment, streams of living water flowing from within. Now let's picture what was going on when Jesus was 
saying these words because it really is quite something. Jesus stands up, we're told, on the last and greatest day of a feast. And he's standing up in an overcrowded Jerusalem. And the feast in question is the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles, the ingathering as it was called, an agricultural feast. And what would happen would be that the priest would take water from the Pool of Siloam and process with it to the water gate. And the crowd would recite from Isaiah chapter 12, verse 3, with, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And a commentator has said, the whole dramatic ceremony was a vivid thanksgiving for God's good gift of water, an acted prayer for rain, and a memory of a water which sprang from the rock when they travelled through the wilderness. On the last day, it was even more dramatic still as they marched around the altar seven times, processing with the water. And here is Jesus standing up and in a loud voice so that everyone could hear it, saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink and receive living water. Now let's look at this promise carefully. And I'm restricting myself to four points towards receiving refreshment. And to make it easy to remember and to respond marvelously, they begin A, B, C, and D. And the first point is this. This is a promise for anyone, for anyone. Did you notice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. God's Spirit can come with power upon anyone. I love the generosity of Jesus here. But actually, it isn't quite anyone, is it? It's anyone with attitude. Anyone with a certain attitude. It looks suspiciously actually on investigation like one of those rather qualified offers. It's rather like anyone who has a guaranteed income of over £100,000 a year can successfully apply for a loan. Or anyone who has an IQ of over this amount can join our society. Or anyone over the age of 50 can have a Covid jab. It's not really a promise for anyone, I'm afraid. It's a promise for anyone who is thirsty. That's the qualification. Before we can experience the Holy Spirit's outpouring into our lives and the refreshment he brings, we need a kind of spiritual thirst or hunger. And this isn't the only time that Jesus has said something like this. In the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew's Gospel, he says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. In your imagination, come with me on a walk down the King's Road. And in normal times, not today's times, that's a road full of all sorts of pubs and restaurants and places offering food. Now, if we stop people coming out of a restaurant after they've dined there, and we offered them food, uh, most likely they'd say no, 
Why? Because they're full already. And though it sounds a little bit rude to put it like this, Scripture tells us one of the reasons that people don't go to God for refreshment and don't receive from the Lord is because they're full already. They're full of themselves. And you can't receive from God that way. You have to come, I have to come to him thirsty and hungry, and I suppose in brackets, humbly, knowing that we're spiritually undernourished or underpowered. So what I want to do in just a moment or two is to try and make you thirsty, or even put it a different way, not so much make you thirsty, as to help us understand quite how thirsty and hungry we ought to be. One way to become more aware of how thirsty and hungry we really should be is to check how we're doing life against God's gold standard. And I, I can suggest four little areas that we could review at this point, and I'm pretty sure that our hunger is going to increase. First of all, think about your character. Okay, here's the deal. Turn to 1 Corinthians 13, and as you read the description of what love is like, put your name there and ask yourself, so how am I doing on this scale? Love is patient, love is kind. It doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others, it's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, trusts, hopes, and perseveres. Well, if you put your name in there, you know, like I would be saying, Rupert is patient, Rupert is kind, he doesn't envy, he doesn't boast, etc., etc. My hunger for the Holy Spirit goes up, believe me. And it's not just the character. Let's think about the commission God has given us. Go into all the world and make disciples. How's that going? You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to do this. Well, am I? Is that what's going on? Or does the thought of the Great Commission and actually sharing your faith and making room for others uh, just make you feel so exhausted because you need more air in your tires, of course? And then another area is charisma or charismatha, the Greek word for spiritual gifts. These are the things that we're meant to be relying on to help bring in the kingdom of God. We were sent out to heal the sick, to prophesy. We were given tools like speaking in tongues to equip us. But do we avail ourselves of these things, I wonder? I often feel rebuked when I read Paul's uh, letter to the Corinthians when he says in chapter 4, the kingdom of God isn't talk but power. And from time to time I have to say to the Lord, well actually the way I'm doing it is just talk. I need more of your Holy Spirit. And I think probably another thing that I really hanker after and see easily in others and comes with the refreshment of the Holy Spirit is the sheer joy of the presence of the Lord, the exuberance of life. And I love it when I see it in other people. It's kind of linked with the generosity of the Holy Spirit, and it's something released from the inside. One of the people that I was privileged to become friends with is a man who is now in heaven called Pastor Lawrence. And Pastor Lawrence had been an accountant, actually not just an accountant, a corrupt accountant. And his personal story of how he became a Christian is a lovely one, but I'll save it for another day. He'd been in jail 
and uh, it was during his time in prison that he became a Christian. At the time I met him, many years later, uh, subsequent to his release from jail, he now was a pastor and he was full of the joy of the Lord. And uh, he once described to me how one day he was driving along in his car in Zambia and he was so full of joy that he felt he just had to stop the car on the side of a road, get out and dance. Now my friends, I've never seen anyone do that in England and I've actually never seen anyone do that in any part of the world. And do you think that that was everyday life? Well, it was when you were filled with the spirit as Pastor Lawrence was. I, I, you might say, I'm never going to dance on the side of a motorway, and frankly, nor am I motorway or not. But the thing is, I'm illustrating the joy and the difference that the Holy Spirit can make. And when I see the Holy Spirit come in my life, in churches, in communities, it is accompanied by a lifting of the gloom and an abundance of the joy of the Lord. Are you thirsty yet? If anyone is thirsty, let him come to the Lord. Secondly, B, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, said Jesus, streams of living water will flow. There is a trust issue here. The B here is, will you trust, will you believe in Jesus for this? Jesus said something very, very similar to the woman at the well in John chapter four. He said, if you knew who it was that was talking to you and the gift that he's got to give you, you would have asked him and he would have given you streams of living water. We have to believe if you want to receive. And you have to believe that Jesus has the gift of the Holy Spirit for you today. And frankly, why wouldn't you believe it? If you believe everything else that Jesus says, then there's no good reason for not believing this too. And if you can't trust him for this, what can you trust him for? This is the fulfillment of a promise that is given many times in the Old Testament. But perhaps Joel chapter 2 verse 28 highlights it easiest. I'll pour out my spirit on all people. I'll pour out my spirit on your sons and daughters. They will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. This is a comprehensive promise. Would you trust Jesus for this? Whoever believes. And then thirdly, see. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me. All, all God's gifts are appropriated through Jesus. That's a great discovery of a Christian. If we want more of the Spirit, we need to get as close to Jesus as we can. It's not herring around the world and going to different conferences that will do it. It's not seeking after any one particular human person and their ministry that will do it. It's reassuringly coming to Jesus that will do it. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. And it, it's marvellous that we're linking Refreshment Sunday with Commitment Sunday because in that commitment, our first commitment is to come to Jesus. And as we saw last week, refreshment hinges on the fact that we do come. 
and we put down at his feet, we repent all the things that are not holy. And the Holy Spirit asks us to do that. As I was preparing a sermon, I, I was actually reflecting it, I think, over the recent weeks. For many of us, we've let things obscure our vision of Jesus. And a little illustration came to my mind. You know, I have it in my hand here, a tiny, a 20 pence piece. And if I hold it close enough to my eye, it actually obscures my vision almost totally. And of course, I can use the other eye, but for this illustration, I'm going to close that. And I can't see a thing now. I certainly couldn't see Jesus. And I think there are things that we might have picked up over the last year, which are a bit like that. People that might have annoyed you. Oops, they begin to obscure your vision. Or, or more than that, actually, many of us have been perplexed by the suffering going on. And we're almost holding it against God. And there are issues and real hardships. We can't just uh, pretend they're not there. And it's totally getting in the way of our prayer life. Totally getting in the way of us receiving from God's kindness. And some of these are really big, intractable issues. And I don't have a solution for you. And you don't carry the solution either. But what I'm suggesting you do as an act of deliberate trust and will, is put that down. Lay it down and say to God, I don't understand this. It has really annoyed me, perplexed me, got on top of me, confused me. So much so that actually, little by little, over the weeks and months, I've stopped seeing you clearly at all. Please, just as a deliberate act, Put it at Jesus' feet. Come to him and say, I'm putting my burden down now because I want to receive this refreshment. And I can't do it if my vision of you is obscured by this issue. Just lay it on one side. Cast your burden upon Jesus because he really does care for you. And now to the fourth point, D. Let him come to me and drink. Frankly, friends, I, I think this is the spot where most of us have stumbled most often. Certainly, if you're wired like me, not everyone is, but if you are and you have a kind of analytical perspective, rather than actually drink, I spend far too much time trying to understand what's going on. <laughs> it, it, it's a bit, here's my prop, it's a bit like this glass, believe me, it's just water. But I, I could and you could we could conduct an experiment on the liquid in this glass. We could analyze it. We could get a scientific breakdown of all the minerals and whatever else is in this water. We could weigh it. We could heat it up. We could read books about it. We could smell it. I could offer it to you. Actually, it doesn't smell all that nice. I could offer it to you. But all that's practically useless until I do the obvious thing, which is to drink it. Now, at some point, you have to decide not just to admit that you're one of those who are thirsty, not just to believe, not just to come, you have to actually drink. And I spent a lot of time thinking about this to 
for today's talk because in usual times we would be together in church and I've been thinking you know we would naturally turn to one another for prayer at this point and I've been thinking isn't is it going to be a bit freaky to be looking at a screen and asking for God's blessing and expecting something to happen through that and it isn't going to be freaky because we're not going to do anything freaky and what came to my mind is a true story. It, it's a true incident. Back in the day when I was at theological college, I think it was three days were set aside for us to have a silent retreat. Now, some people uh, absolutely loved the idea of a silent retreat, but I have to say for me, that was an enormous struggle. Uh, I'm not sure, I'm pretty sure I didn't keep silence for three days, but I did spend a disproportionate amount of time in my room like everybody else. And in my room, uh, or right next to me in the room next door, was a man called Simon. And um, he came bursting into my room. I didn't know him very well. I knew he was extremely academic and a great scholar. And as he came crashing into my room, uh, he, he looked more alive than I'd ever seen him before. I don't know what it was about him, but there was something about his face, his whole demeanor, and he, he wasn't a close friend of mine at all. I hardly knew this chap, but he, he couldn't stop himself from saying, Rupert, you'll never guess what's happened to me. And actually, I, I, I had guessed. And the moment I saw him, I thought, you're so changed. Only one thing could have brought this about. And he told me, he said, Rupert, I was reading a book. And the book he was reading was an autobiography by a man called David Watson. He said, I was reading about how David Watson was so spiritually hungry in his own life that for months he got on his knees and cried out, God, there's such a gap between what I feel about you and I'm experiencing about you, what I've seen in the scriptures. Please, please refresh me by your spirit. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what Simon told me was in the book. And as Simon said to me, he said, as I read this, I too cried out to God, God, I've got that gap too. And he said, Rupert, what's happened is the Holy Spirit's just filled me. I feel totally different. Now, I share this story today because I don't have any intellectual puzzle with that at all. I think God speaks through words, he speaks through books. Many, many people are blessed through reading autobiographies and the scriptures and spiritual tomes so I wouldn't be struggling at all with the idea that God would bless you if you were sitting at home reading a book. So why should I struggle with the idea, or you struggle with the idea, that God can bless you through an audio form? Of course he can, of course he can. And then it came to mind, and this is much more powerful, that in the scriptures, God pours out his spirit during lockdown. Well, certainly when the disciples were locked in in John chapter 20, verse 19, we read, In the evening, when the disciples were together with the doors locked, Jesus came and stood amongst them, and he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. There is no earthly reason why each of us shouldn't today receive a blessing of refreshment that the Lord has. What's your attitude? What do you believe? Would you come and are you ready to drink? Let me answer just a few very quick fire common questions people have at this point, because I'm trying to clear the ground to make it easy 
for each of us to come to God hungry and to receive and to drink. So quick fire questions and answers. Do I have to speak in tongues? No, not necessarily, but you might. And if you're hungry for that gift, why not ask him? Do I have to have been a follower of Jesus for a long time? No, not at all, but you might be. It's not a question of if you've been following Jesus for a long time, you can ask him, or if you've been a follower of Jesus for a very long time and you still haven't asked him, you never can. No, every day is a good day to come to Jesus and to ask him for refreshment. Is this a once in a lifetime experience? Does the fact that many years ago I received the power of the Holy Spirit and a sense of God's renewing and refreshing mean that's it for me? No, of course not. Just as I described the air coming out of your tires, so we know that the air of the Holy Spirit needs to be constantly renewed in our lives. Peter is said many, many times in the book of Acts to be filled with the Spirit after Pentecost. It's an ongoing situation. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, didn't he? Go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Is this something I can quench? Absolutely. You can quench the Holy Spirit uh, easily. And analysis paralysis is one way of doing it, I know very well. We're not asked to analyze or understand what's going on. We're simply asked to come with an open heart and to receive. And here, I think peculiarly, it might be to some of our advantage that we're not actually in church because sometimes in church we're so self-conscious, so concerned about, well, what will other people think? In fact, what are they thinking? We don't want to make an exhibition of ourselves. I know, actually speaking personally, the very first time that I was courageous enough, or, or actually a different word, felt free enough to lift my hands in worship. I wasn't in England, I, I was abroad at the time, and, and the thing that went through my head was, do you know I might try this here because absolutely nobody knows me. No one's looking, no one cares. And um, I was just able to express a surrender of myself to the Lord like that, uh, genuinely, because no one was looking and no one was there to see. It was just a transaction between me and the Lord. And I think it could be like that for some of us today. We could make it like that anyway. And if, if you're with other people in your house watching this, I would just come to a gentle agreement together. Look, we're not going to look around the room at one another at what's going on now. Let's make this a moment of business between us and the Lord, just a private business. It's something I do every day, actually, frankly, asking the Lord to send his spirit to refresh. And who knows, this could be such an advantage for the shy or the over self-aware that now, without anyone else influencing you, you could ask God to refresh you. And here, another quick question, what happens if nothing happens? Well, frankly, let that be my worry. I don't worry about it because I believe the scriptures where it says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And this will happen. It, it's not by measure that the Father gives the Holy Spirit. And it's not on merit that he gives the Holy Spirit. 
If you pray, believing that God will give this to you, he will give it to you. I'm absolutely certain because he's faithful. And lastly, how do I receive? Well, in Revelation 22, verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who hears, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. We need to come to the Lord and ask him. I found one particular time when someone prayed for the Holy Spirit to come, particularly refreshing. And it happened in St. Michael's Church. And the man was Bishop Bill Burnett. He was a recently retired Bishop of Cape Town in South Africa. And he simply led us on a prayer, imagining that he was walking into a river. He, he was picturing this from the book of Ezekiel where the river of life flows, which is a picture of the Holy Spirit. And he invited us, as it were, to surrender ourselves as we got deeper and deeper and deeper into the river. Ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, chest high, over our heads, until eventually we let the river bear us along. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer like that now. And if you want to, you can join in. Now, there's no need to do anything other than open your heart to the Lord. You don't have to stand up, you don't have to sit down, you don't have to kneel. You can be in whatever posture you like. But make yourself comfortable and ready to open your heart to the Lord. And after I've prayed this prayer, we're going to have the opportunity just to be still and some a music is going to be sung over us. It, it only takes four minutes, this song that we're going to follow. So it, it's not going on forever. And after that, we'll transition into a hymn that we can all sing. So you could think of this as, you know, this is four minutes of waiting on the Lord. Are you ready? And I'll lead us in a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the scriptures. And thank you for this amazing promise of Jesus, if anyone is thirsty, if you believe in me, if you come to me, if you drink from me, and we say to you, Lord Jesus, we want to do that. And as a pathway to refreshment, we picture ourselves just walking deeper into the river of life and surrendering to you. We want to be bold to trust you, and so we don't just go waist deep. We go to the place where we can't even swim in this river because it's too deep for us, and we surrender our hearts to you, our lives to you, our minds to you, and ask you, river of life, come and refresh us. We say we are thirsty. Come to the parts of us which seriously need refreshment. They're so parched that it's going to take time for them to be replenished. Come to the parts of our lives where we've almost hidden from you and have been afraid to surrender. Carry the issues which have blighted our vision and stood between us and you. 
carry the pains and the wounds and the things that we don't understand. And come by your Spirit to refresh us and restore the joy of our salvation. Come to our hearts and make them soft again. Come to our minds and renew them. Come to those parts of us which have stood between us and really enjoying your company. Lord, we want to be able to praise you with freedom. We want to be able to say that the best days of our lives lie ahead. We don't want to be looking in the mirror and just looking backwards at times when you have blessed us. We say, Holy Spirit, fill us afresh. Now as we wait on you in the quietness, come and do business with us.